0: Hello to all you amazing Mets fans listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. On today's show, I want to talk about the Rule 5 draft that took place on Thursday. I'll go through who the Mets added and who they lost in the first half of the show. Then later on in the second half, I want to talk about the Phillies, because they made a big move on Thursday, hiring Dave Dombrowski to head up their baseball operations. will talk about how that impacts the Mets, and more in just a bit. Before we get to any of that though, I'm your host Ryan Finkelstein, if you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan, you can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsMoriseOnline.com. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Rule 5 draft, basically, if a player is eligible for the Rule 5 draft, he has to be protected by his team by being added to the 40-man roster. Otherwise, any team in baseball can grab that player in the Rule 5 draft, and if they keep them on their active roster for the remainder of the season, they then own that player as far as his team control. So, if a Mets player is selected and there was one, in the draft in Deadnell Nunez. The San Francisco Giants now. Have to hold on to Nunez. Throughout the remainder of the season. Otherwise he'll be returning to the Mets. But he can also be traded. And another team will then have those same rules. About whether they can hang on to the player. For the entire season. So in the virtual Rule 5 draft on Thursday morning. The Mets made a move. Early on drafting Luis Oviedo. Of the Cleveland Indians with the ninth overall pick. But as I said those picks can be traded. And he was then traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates. For cash considerations. So essentially the Mets. Weren't planning on selecting anyone. They select this guy Luis Oviedo. Get some cash for it. Then with the 12th pick the Giants. Grabbed Dednell Nunez from the Mets. Who they signed. In 2016, the international signing, who is a pitcher with some promise. And I know there's some people who write with me over at Mets Marais that were upset about this loss because this is a guy that they project to have a potential major league future. Baseball America ranked him as the Mets' 21st best prospect, and here's what they said. Nunez stands out most for his fastball, which he throws between 92 and 96 miles per hour with an elite spin rate in excess of 2,600 revolutions per minute. The pitch averages 93 miles per hour and has natural cutting action that makes it difficult for opponents to square up. Nunez's slurvy breaking ball averages about 80 miles per hour and grades as an average pitch. He shows some feel for a changeup that grades near average. While Nunez throws three pitches at or near average, he lacks a true out pitch, which puts his upside potential in doubt. His ability to execute pitches effectively is also hampered by a wrist wrap and wandering release point. Basically, this is a pitcher who has a fastball that will play at the major league level, but he has to develop those other pitches to maybe eventually become a starting pitcher that could last in the big leagues. Otherwise he might end up in the bullpen and he has to clean out some of his mechanics. The Mets did not want to have the same situation as you saw last year, where they put Jordan Humphreys on their 40 man roster, and they ultimately had to put DFA him in the middle of the season because they were running out of room on that 40. So the Mets are really valuing those spots on their 40-man roster. That's what has been made clear through this Rule 5 draft and the way they've been operating, cutting Chase and Shreve at the non-tender deadline. I think that means they're going to be making a lot of additions in free agency. Right now, they have a 40-man roster at 34. They want to leave room there so that they can add players. And also, in case some of these minor league signings ultimately make the team out of spring training, you don't want a potential lose prospect. So, in this sense, they lose a pitcher who is very promising, but that pitcher has to stick with the Giants all season. Otherwise, he can be returned to the Mets. Now you go to the minor league phase of the Rule 5 Draft. And this is not as tough to navigate when it comes to roster restrictions. In the minor league phase, you can just grab these guys and they go right into your farm system. The most interesting name might have been Astros center fielder Drew Ferguson, who the Mets grabbed in the first round of the World 5 draft. In 2019, Ferguson hit 281 with a 395 on base percentage and a .447 percentage. He also had 27 stolen bases. Ferguson is 28 years old, though, right-hander, so he represents that depth for the Mets at AAA, a guy that can fill in the similar Juan Magaris, Billy Hamilton, Ryan Cordell-type role next year where he can fill in if they need that fourth outfielder at some point during the season. In the second round, the Mets got Justin Dillon from the Blue Jays, who had a 4-2-1 ERA, pitching in both single-A and double-A in 2019. Later on in the third round, the Mets grabbed Drew Jackson from the Dodgers, an infield prospect who used to be with the Mariners, actually did make the major leagues with the Orioles in 2019. The fourth round, the Mets grabbed Jesus Reyes from the Reds. Reyes has made some appearances at the big league level in 2018, although he did not have much success. He does have some velocity, a power right-hander, but it just has not worked yet for Reyes. Maybe with the Mets, he does stick, a guy that you slot in again at AAA to be some depth for your bullpen. From there, you also have the fifth selection the Mets made, which was Jose Zurella, a left-handed pitcher, which is good for the Mets because they are thin when it comes to left-handed pitchers in their farm system, although he does not have a big track record of success. Overall, you don't really expect much out of the minor league Rule 5 picks. If any of them stick, you're happy. But for a team that has traded away a lot of their depth over the last couple of years, it was good the Mets were able to replenish some of it. At the same time, though, the Mets did lose four players in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft. They lost shortstop Sebastian Espino to the Blue Jays, catcher Wilfred Estadio whose brother plays for the Twins last I checked. And they also lost right-handed pitcher Ezekiel Zabaleta, who was selected by the Reds, which means he will probably have a 2.05 ERA out of their bullpen next year. Um, And finally, they lost uh, Mitchell Tolman to the Giants. Tolman is a second baseman. Overall, nothing major to discuss here. The Mets add some depth, they lose some depth. And I think the, the bigger news is that those roster spots are very valuable to them moving forward. And that should promise for some more activity later on throughout this off season. Anyway, when we get back in just a minute, I want to go over the Dave Dombrowski hiring by the Philadelphia Phillies and what he will bring to them moving forward. Built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever with 18 amazing flavors, including their six new flavors, the Carmo Brownie Bar, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Bar, sea Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and the Apple Almond Crisp. These really are protein bars that taste like candy bars. Come in covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they are healthy too. Coming low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. If you want to try Built Bar today, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON. For 20% off at builtbar.com. I think that everyone around baseball was a little bit shocked on Thursday when it was announced that Dave Dombrowski would be taking over as the new president of baseball operations for the Philadelphia Phillies. Dombrowski obviously has a great track record dating back to his time with the Marlins where they won in 1997. Then he went to the Tigers, had some success there, then went to the Red Sox and won a world series in 2018. It's one of the most accomplished baseball executives out there. And obviously when you're talking about a division rival, you don't necessarily want to see them hire someone with such an impressive resume. At the same time, I am so confused about what's going on with the Phillies right now. First of all, Dave Dabrowski, I know he wants jobs like this, being the president of baseball operations. I'm sure being out of the game for whatever it's been a year or so, there's that itch to get back. But at the same time, I'm sure he's not taking a significant pay cut. So you have an owner that's crying poor and, Yet he goes out and hires an executive that I would think is on the higher end of the pay scale. That's a little bit surprising in of itself. Then you talk about this job in particular and why it intrigues Dave Dombrowski. Is it simply a job in a relatively big market that has some pretty good players with Bryce Harper and Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler that has enticed him? Or is it just because... It's a job where he gets that autonomy as the president of baseball operations to make all the decisions. To me, it's not the most attractive job when, again, you have an owner crying poor talking about not being able to re-sign JT Real There was the rumors about Zach Wheeler being traded. You have Bryce Harper locked up to one of the longest contracts in the game. still has 11 years on that deal. I don't really know where the Phillies are going and it doesn't seem like the type of job that Dave Dombrowski would be jumping at. You look at his last job at the Red Sox, goes into a team that was stacked in their farm system, ready to win a World Series. He put on the finishing touches. He made a big trade to get David Price, which at some points didn't work out, but it ultimately did because he did pitch some meaningful innings in that playoff run. He made the big sign to get J.D. Martinez as their D.H. That really helped the Red Sox. And, you know, he built around a core that already had Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, Jackie Bradley Jr., Andrew Benintendi. So Dombrowski gets a lot of credit, but I also think a lot of credit should be given to the previous GM, Chennington, who really built out that organization. And so I'm at a point now where I look at Dombrowski as the guy that comes in, builds out your championship roster, and maybe leaves a disaster in his wake. I mean, this is a guy that got fired within a year after winning the World Series as the Red Sox completely went under the next year, had a horrible season, and continued on that trajectory where, you know, honestly, I don't even remember I don't think their record was as bad in 2019 as it was in 2020, but it certainly wasn't championship caliber. And the future for the Red Sox has gotten to a point where they traded Mookie Bet last offseason after Dave Dombrowski's tenure. So I see in an article by the New York Post saying you know, does Steve Cohen's mess just get a major obstacle with Dave Dombrowski? And I don't know how to think about that. Is he a major obstacle with the Phillies? As we've learned for decades under the Ponds previously, doesn't the fish rot from its head? So if Middleton is turning into one of these owners that fans are growing to hate out in Philadelphia, is Dave Dombrowski going to fix all the problems? Is he coming in here to... Rebuild everything? Is Bryce Harper going to get moved this offseason? Is Zach Wheeler going to get traded? Are they going to scrap this thing back to the bones and restart? Or is Middleton having a change of heart? He's going to give this guy some resources and he's going to try to fill out the Major League roster and content. What I will say is this is still a guy that does have a long track record in baseball and that should at least in some regards, put the Phillies on a more concise path where they maybe have a clear direction and a strong organizational structure built under Dombrowski. But I'm still looking at this division, and let's really talk it out. You got the Mets, who appear to be on a clear upswing with an owner that has the money to give Sandy Allison all the resources he needs. They have the desire to win, and they have a lot of talent on their roster. You have the Washington Nationals, who are coming off a down year, but let's not forget, are also a year removed from being World Series champions. Still have Juan Soto, who's one of the best young outfitters in baseball. I'd be hard-pressed to pick any under-25-year-old outfielder over Juan Soto right now. He's just that pure of a hitter. They have Trey Turner and they still have a pitching staff with Scherzer Strasburg and Corbin that's going to be competitive at least for the next year, maybe two years. And then let's not even forget that you got the Atlanta Braves who are coming off the last couple division titles. They have a young roster, they have a really good GM in Antopolis or maybe he's their president, but a guy that knows what he's doing. They got a great farm system and they got a young ball club. That should continue to be successful. And then you got the Marlins. Who are coming off their first playoff burst since 2003. And have a really good farm system. Built by Derek Jeter and Gary Dembo. Who just brought in one of the smartest executives in baseball. In Kim Ang. To be their GM. They're heading in the right direction. Then you have the Phillies. I don't know what to take from them. Over the last two or three years we've heard. Comments from John Middleton about how they were ready to spend stupid money. Those were his words. Stupid money. They signed Bryce Harper. They bring in Zach Wheeler. All the bluster. They're fired up about the upcoming season. Watch out for the Phillies with JT Real Muto. All of these guys. And they failed the last couple of years. And now they're losing JT Real Muto potentially for nothing. They might get rid of Zach Wheeler. Who knows what they're going to do. So we'll see what Dave Dombrowski is able to do. I don't think he's a magician. They don't have a farm system to be trading from. And they might not have resources to spend. So what is this guy really going to do in the short term to turn the Phillies around? They're going to let him go in there and apparently look over everything and see what mistakes have been made over the last five years. And maybe this is a situation where Dombrowski gets in there and he does decide. You know what? We gotta restart this thing. We gotta trade Zach Wheeler. We gotta trade Aaron Nola, Get a ton of prospects for those pitchers, and maybe they're just a terrible rebuilding team for a couple of years around Bryce Harper. Or maybe, just maybe, Dombrowski gets Middleton to open the wallet, and maybe they will compete. In this analysis, that's going to be very tough. But when I look at everything right now and the trajectory of all these teams, to me, the Phillies are near the bottom of the division unless something substantial changes. And this wasn't a big enough change to suddenly catapult them back into that conversation at the top of the division. We'll see what they do this offseason. Maybe I'm wrong. But for now, I'm far more concerned about what's going on in Atlanta and Washington then I'm worried about what's going on in Philadelphia. Anyway, that'll be all for Locked On Mets this week. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan and follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Mets.